It's really special for me to be able to um, open the word here at Tower Road Bible Chapel this morning. I see a lot of great familiar faces I've known for a very long time and uh, really welcomed the opportunity. So, Paul, I want to thank you for that. And uh, I'm sorry you couldn't be here in person. I hope everyone's feeling better very soon there at your house. And so I love this theme that um, Paul shared with me that you're going through right now, this idea that um, you're looking at people in the scriptures who the Lord called by their name. And so when Paul reached out to me, uh, he gave me a, a, a list of a couple names. And I said, how about Peter? Um, I've looked at the life of Peter quite a bit over the last two years or so. And the more I look at the life of Peter, the more I appreciate who he was as a disciple of the Lord, who he was as an apostle and the work that he had and the hand that he had in the early church and in um, ultimately following the Lord's command to him to follow me. You know, in Peter, we see something very different that, that we don't really get a glimpse of at the same scale with the other disciples and the other apostles. And that's Peter's humanity. The Lord loved Peter. Peter was very, uh, faithful to follow the Lord immediately when he was called. And yet we see oftentimes in scripture, the stumbles that Peter has, and we see his humanity, which is starkly contrasted by others. You might look at the life of Paul, right? And after Paul's conversion, Paul would say of himself, I'm the cheapest of sinners looking at his past. But after his conversion, we really don't see Paul stumble and fall in the same way that we saw Peter stumble and fall. And yet the Lord used Peter mightily. And we can be reminded this morning that whether you're a Paul, who was the cheapest of sinners, who the Lord converted, and then goes on for the Lord with great strength, or you're a Peter who commits to the Lord, and yet we see his humanity, and we see him stumble and fall, the Lord can use you, you are still the Lord's. And uh, he is faithful to us, even when we fall down, and, and we're no longer faithful to him in that that moment. And so I wanted to start with uh, a couple verses before we look at the life of Peter. A lot of times when I do a sermon, I like to pick a couple key points, two or three key points and say, here's what we're going to focus on today. This is not going to be one of those sermons. We're going to kind of meander through the life of Peter, and we'll look at some real practical applications from stories that even our kids over here will appreciate as we go through the stories from the life of Peter But I want to ground us in this thought from Romans chapter 8 and verses 29 through 30 that say this, speaking about the Lord. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What shall we say say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let's ask the Lord's blessing one more time on our study this morning. God, Father, we're grateful for this beautiful day that you have made. Lord, this is the the day that the Lord has made. You've made it and we'll rejoice and be glad in this beautiful day that you've given us. Lord, we would ask that your spirit would be upon our hearts and our minds and our ears, Lord, that we'd be attentive and that in a unique way, you would apply the the message um, 
to each one here individually. There's so many different aspects uh, of the life of Peter that we're going to look at, and they speak to us uniquely and individually. And so, Lord, let each one here leave with a a special thought from your spirit uh, as we consider these things together. In Jesus' name, amen. The, the kind of famous passage, if you will, with the interaction between the, the Lord Jesus and Peter comes to us from Matthew 16. And we could turn there together um, if you'd like. Matthew 16 and starting at verse 13. And this is Jesus really establishing Peter, not just as a disciple, not just as a follower of Christ who's learning from Christ as a student, But he's establishing the fact that Peter's going to go on to become an apostle, a teacher of the things of God, which is a unique thing. You know, not every disciple of Jesus goes on to become a a great teacher or a a founder in the way that um, the Lord used Peter. But he's establishing this is going to happen. And so uh, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? say that I, the son of man, am. And so they said, some say John the Baptist and some Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? You know, this is an important question. We can have philosophical conversations with people all day long about what the world has to say about Jesus, right? And so you could go into any college, university, philosophy course, right? And and have a philosophical conversation about what the world says about Jesus. But ultimately, there's only one question that matters when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? The Lord loves each one of us individually, and he wants each one of us to ultimately confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the call that goes out around the world. And that question, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so tremendous responsibility and tremendous power from God's spirit ultimately comes upon Peter in the early church. This question of uh, the rock is an interesting one because you could read those verses and you could say, who's the rock that Jesus is talking about there, right? On this rock, I will build my church. Was he talking about Peter? Um, And that's something you could debate and look at. But ultimately, I I think the answer there is he was talking about himself, Jesus, as the chief cornerstone and Peter's confession of who the Lord Jesus was. But he was also talking about Peter. And some might say, no, 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 he was just talking about himself. And some might say, no, he was talking about Peter. But ultimately, he's talking about both of them. And here's a, a passage you could look at to think about that. Ephesians 2 19 to 22 says, now, therefore, talking about believers, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We heard those thoughts this morning about being a child of God 
having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, that's the church, being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. And so we can look at many verses that speak to us of Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone that the rest of the entire building of the church is laid upon. But we also see here that it's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And so we don't want to diminish in elevating the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we put him in the highest place. And when you think about a building, he's actually in the lowest place. He's the, the chief cornerstone at the bottom of it all, right? But we should also recognize and understand that the apostles, and we respect what they brought into the early church because they were a part of that foundation, right? They were in serving the Lord in their teaching and in their ministry and in spreading the gospel, they became a part of the building in a very unique and special way. When we think about the life of Peter, Peter starts out as a disciple. And you can think of a disciple as someone who's a student uh, of, of the Lord. And we start to see some of the interaction there uh, in Peter's life very early on. It didn't occur to me for a long time, actually, where Jesus is one of the first interactions in the life of uh, Simon Peter was Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And it didn't occur to me until pretty recently, actually, that that event took place before Jesus called Peter and before Peter went after Jesus and followed him. And so in Luke 4, we see Jesus's healing power. In verse 38, Simon's mother-in-law was very sick. She had a high fever. They asked Jesus to do something to help her. And he stood very close to her and ordered the sickness to go away. Think about the power of God, that the Lord Jesus could just order sickness out of someone and it would depart. It, it would leave from them. After that, we have the, the calling of Peter. Let's turn there, uh, Luke chapter 5, and we'll read the first 11 verses of Luke chapter 5. Then he, starting in verse 3, Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I'll pause here for a second. We see obedience in, in the, the life of Peter. You know, Peter would have been a, a you know, I, I'm a fisherman. I like to fish. We got a boat. So I take the kids out and we have a good time. You know, someone who fished for a living would have been, you know, kind of a master fisherman. He knew the tides. He knew what was going on. And, and there are times you go out there and you just clean up and you have a great time. And there's times that we've gone fishing and you know immediately it's not happening today, guys. Right. We're going to strike out. And so Peter's reaction to the Lord, Master, we've toiled all night, right? We know these waters. And yet, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Sometimes our human nature creeps in and we think we know best. And yet, ultimately, we need to turn to the Lord and obey the Lord in his direction and his commands. Because we don't know best. 
even in our best state, Peter, a master fisherman, his career, his life, right? Even in our best state, we don't know what's best for us and we need to obey and follow the Lord. And that's a theme that carries on throughout Peter's life. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. They had a massive catch, right? Probably a record catch that they needed to bring in these other boats together. They got to land and they left it. They left it behind. That, that's the call of a, of a disciple is ultimately to look at this life. Paul says, he says, I, can, I, I consider it all loss, right? And anything that this world could give me, right? ultimately is not up to the standard, not up to the experience of following the Lord Jesus Christ and putting our trust in him and seeking his ways. And they forsook all and followed him. You would think someone who had such an immediate kind of conversion event, right? And who had seen the power of the Lord, right? Imagine it. Imagine someone you care about. And you and the Lord was there and put his healing hand upon them and you saw them immediately healed. Uh, imagine someone who would say, put down your net and you catch more fish than you've ever seen in your life in one haul, right? And yet humanity can still creep in at times. Even when we've seen the faithfulness of God, even when we've seen God do miraculous works, humanity can creep in and cause us to doubt. And so that's the fight that we see Peter fighting throughout his life. I think about the nation of Israel, right? In the Old Testament, all the miracles they would have seen, and yet they kept wandering. They kept wandering away to the point that when Jesus came to Jerusalem, he said, how I've desired that as a a mother hen, right? Would gather her chicks under her wings, under her protection, that you would come to me. And yet there were those who wouldn't have him. Peter's faith is tested in Matthew 14. Love this story. You kids will like this story too, right? Matthew 14, starting at verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. He could walk on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. superstition can creep in a little bit, right? They've seen Jesus doing miraculous works. Who did they think was walking on the sea? And yet, you want to tell me? Go ahead. Come on, Hunter. I saw you raise your hand. Who did they think? Yeah, that's right. Who, who, Who else could it have been but Jesus, right? And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I do not be afraid. Here we see the boldness of Peter. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. 
And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased. There's a great picture here. When did Peter start to sink? He started to sink when he looked around him and he became more focused on his circumstances than he did on the Lord. He became more focused on his circumstances than he did on the Lord. When we think only in light of our circumstances and not recognizing God's hand in our lives and his faithfulness to us, we too can start to sink. And there's all different ways that humanity can sink and can be brought low, right? We can be drawn into sin. We can be drawn into sadness, a life of depression, right? That ultimately we need to rely on the Lord. And when we look to the Lord, his cry, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And so there's a message there, you know, not to look at the circumstances around us, not to be concerned by the wind around us, not to be concerned by the waves around us, but ultimately to keep our eyes on the Lord and to say to the Lord, Lord, save me. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So Peter's faith was tested, but in that testing, he found that he could rely on the Lord and that the Lord would deliver him. And they got in the boat and the wind ceased. You move forward into um, Peter's life. And while the Lord is always faithful to us, we can stumble and fall in our faithfulness to the Lord. And so we see uh, in Jesus's crucifixion at that time, his disciples, ultimately the Bible tells us um, the prophecy about the Lord Jesus at that time was that uh, the, the shepherd Jesus would be struck and the sheep would be scattered. The sheep would be scattered at his time of greatest need. Jesus's greatest need for those around him to support him and be present for him. They were gone. They were missing. Matthew 26. It starts in the garden of Gethsemane. And we read in verse 39. Now he, Jesus went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It's very interesting that the Lord prayed that. We all go through trials in life. And this was the Lord Jesus, his greatest trial in his human form was to, to go to the cross and ultimately be left by those who surrounded him and ultimately even to have the father turn his back on him, as it were, in his hour of uh, suffering. And Jesus, even in that state where Jesus was obedient to the father to the point of death, 
would say, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Even that one who's trusted in the Lord Jesus, we still in this world are in our flesh. And there's a weakness that we combat against every day. And so Peter was combating against that. And in that hour that the Lord Jesus needed him was not there for him. At the uh, arrest of Jesus afterwards, Jesus faces the council at the Sanhedrin in verse 63. But Jesus kept silent and the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you were the Christ, the son of God. Jesus said to him, it is as you said, nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes saying, he has spoken blasphemy. What further need do you have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And they said, he is deserving of death. Then they spat on his face and beat him and others struck him with the palms of his hands saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? So this is the context of what's happening to the Lord at this time. And Peter's in the courtyard in verse 69, we read he's in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, but he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you're saying. Then when he had gone out of the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. A little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear saying, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so he went out and wept bitterly. Jesus prophesied that this would happen. And you know what Peter's response was when Jesus told him it was going to happen? I I would rather die than have this happen. And so words are very easy to speak. It's very easy to say something, right? But to follow through with it, is a different story. Um, I'm thinking back to another sermon I did just on uh, the idea of the the heart and the state of the heart. Um, And so we've got verses like, uh, out of the uh, abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Peter had it in his heart to commit to the Lord, I would rather die than deny you. But in that moment, right, his humanity crept in and he stumbled and fell in a, in a huge way. But that experience would stay with Peter throughout the rest of his life. He, he would never have forgotten that experience. Um, and I think in a way, it would have been a very healing thing for him to go out and weep bitterly. Sometimes we need to weep bitterly over things that happen to us in life and our state 
right? Peter recognized his state and he wept bitterly over his state. And so I would ask you, when was the last time you wept bitterly? There are things in life that are so significant that it should bring us to that point. Often we're too busy to think about them or we just don't want to go there. But Peter went there because this was as real and raw for Peter as life gets. And he recognized his state before the Lord. But Jesus loved Peter. He didn't abandon him because Peter abandoned the Lord, right? The Lord doesn't always uh, treat us the way that he should, according to the things that we do. He knows each and every one of us. The, The Bible tells us that he knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. God made us. God made you. He knows everything about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And so he can look at us um, in a way that we can't possibly understand. Peter went and restored, uh, Jesus went and restored Peter in in John 21. We read uh, in verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And so Peter denied the Lord three times in the courtyard, right? And three times, the Lord has Peter affirm his love for him. Through that experience, he restores Peter. But, you know, uh, he prophesies about Peter's death here. Ultimately, Peter's statement, right, that I would die for you comes true. And Peter would give his life for his faith later on. As we transition from the Lord's resurrection and the Lord's uh, restoration of of Peter to to Peter's life as uh, an apostle and and as a teacher, I'll I'll just summarize some of the things that um, I've thought about in the way that the Lord used Peter in in these examples. So Peter was there at Pentecost, uh, and he was the first one to speak at, at Pentecost. And at that day, when the spirit of the Lord was poured out, it says 3,000 people believed there that day. You know, it's amazing. You know, we think sometimes um, that coming to the Lord, recognizing our need for salvation, right? Calling upon the Lord, saying, Lord, I'm a sinner, save me. Just like Peter was sinking down in those waves, Lord, save me. As people, we need to recognize our state before the Lord and call out, cry upon the Lord, Lord, save me. He made the way through his 
sacrifice at the cross. But a lot of times we think about this salvation event where God restores someone permanently, right? For all time as a very complex and long and hard process. And yet when you look at the conversion stories in the Bible, you have 3000 people believing on one day. When Jesus was on the cross and the thief next to him said, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. Jesus said to that thief, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Think about all the conversion stories we've got in scripture. We don't have time to go through them all, right? Which one of them felt like a hard, laborious process that took a lot of time? It doesn't. Today is the day of salvation. It's not a month-long process or a year-long process or a lifetime-long process. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to put your faith in the Lord. And so Peter, working with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, 3,000 people believed. There was a healing event in Acts chapter 3 with the temple beggar, you know, calling out uh, on them for, uh, for money. And Peter would say to him, silver and gold have I not, right? But such as I have, I'll give you in the name of Jesus Christ, pick up your bed and walk. And the man walked miraculous power. There's a a, a little um, twist that happens in chapters four and chapter five, Peter's arrested two times. And uh, I, I love what happens here with Peter. The first time he's arrested, he's giving an account of himself. And there's a phrase he uses where he says, to those who are judging him, whether it's right to obey men or to obey God, we can't say, but we can't help but speak of the things that we've seen. It's great to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and have that mindset of, I can't help but speak about what the Lord's done in my life. That's a great place to be at. But, you know, Peter had that thought of, we can't say what's right here, whether we should obey men or obey God. You know what his second arrest? You know what? Uh, Peter says, he says, we ought to obey God rather than men. Peter had growth. You know, we see the growth in the life of Peter there. um, That when it it happened that second time, he kind of changed his tune a little bit, right? He wasn't appealing uh, to those who were judging him to say, well, I can't say what's right, right? He was saying, we ought to obey God rather than obey men. And then finally, um, you know, we see uh, Peter, um, there, there was some tension there in the life of Peter, uh, particularly with Paul. There's a, a portion in scripture where Paul actually goes and says, I withstood him to his face because Peter uh, was struggling with this concept of uh, essentially the, the division between the Gentiles and the Jewish believers at that time, right? Um, but I think... Peter knew what the Lord had done uh, for uh, the Gentiles, not just the Jewish nation, but that Jesus had come so that people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation would have the opportunity to turn to the Lord for salvation. And so with Cornelius, uh, a centurion in Acts chapter 10, um, Peter, through the spirit says, essentially, I discern that God shows no partiality, right? Paul continues to pick up on that theme, ultimately, that there's neither Jew nor Greek, right? Under the Lord Jesus Christ and in salvation, that we are all one 
and we're all united in Christ. And so in that thought too, uh, Paul went on in his teaching, we hear um, Paul addressing this idea of not to say I'm of Paul or I'm of Apollos, right? I follow this teacher. I follow that teacher. And so back to that thought earlier about the foundation that's laid, Jesus Christ, our chief cornerstone, but then the church of God is built upon that chief cornerstone of the Lord Jesus Christ, that in that experience, we don't elevate those individual apostles or individual teachers that may be in our life that we say, I'm of this person and this is who I follow. Now our focus is on Christ, right? The best thing that any church could say is here at this church, we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the best thing that any church could say. And, uh, and so I believe that's true here. I've known a lot of you a long time, right? Um, and we need to remember that uh, and be called to that. In kind of closing here, I would, I would just say, you know, again, the life of Peter illustrates for us God's great love, his um, faithfulness to us, the forgiveness that we have uh, in him, that even when we fail and when we stumble in our humanity, right, there's a way that we're restored back to God continually through the Lord Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He makes us right with God. And so we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for that. I I think about my own life, you know, this idea of Jesus called me by my name. And in our own personal way, each one of us are called by the Lord Jesus Christ. Each one of us have our own unique story to tell. And just like Peter would say, we can't help but speak of what the Lord has done in our life. That should be our state. That should be our our mindset to say, this is my story. This is my song, right? Praising the Lord about what he's done for us. I want to uh, just share a song uh, that speaks to this idea that God is faithful to us through every step of life. And that ultimately he is our leader. He is our guide. He's the lamp that lights the way right in front of our feet. And I've often thought about that. You know, the Lord's not shining headbeams three miles down the road, right? It's a lamp before our feet. And step by step, we take a little step and we trust him. And then he shines a little more light. And then we take another step and he shines a little more light, right? We don't know what the future brings, but the Lord knows everything about our future. And he has great plans for us. And just as we read at the beginning, if God before us, who can be against us? I was very tempted to hop up here with you, Josh, on guitar. I was was playing along in the back a little bit. Could I? 
God and Father, we're grateful, Lord, for uh, your word. We know it's living and powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord, and that it pierces our soul and it teaches us what we need to be taught, Lord. And there's so many stories of lives of those who have trusted in you that we can draw from and understand how much you love us, how much you're faithful to us, Lord, how much you understand our, our state. Lord, you knew what we were going to do in this life and in this world uh, before you, we were even born. And so, um, Lord, those who you knew were going to trust in you, you've called them. You've called them by name. Uh, help us to know of your great love and help us to trust you and recognize that you lead us each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> 